Hey, hey, welcome to the Get the Acceptance Letter podcast. My name is Treasure Shields Redmond, and I help busy parents of college-bound teens secure top-tier education without massive debt. You've come to the right place if you are a parent who has a vision for their child's life that includes health, wealth, safety, and having them land at a college that honors their gifts and goals, all while keeping it debt-free. Sit back, enjoy, as I share some valuable tools and strategies with you that will help you get your kiddo into college and without crushing student loan debt. Hello, hello, hello. We are live. Live and in color. When I tell you I've been trying to get on these interwebs for um, for quite some time now, it, almost an hour. It's, it says it's 6.53 here. What time does it? Yeah, it says it's 6.53. I've been trying to get on here to talk to you all about how to get into college and do it debt-free for about an hour. So, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so glad. I When I started, there was great light coming in through my patio door, and now it has started to get dark. So I'm not going to hold you long. Um, I do think I want to um, go on to some other uh, social media platforms and tell a couple of other people about what I'm talking about tonight. Um, something has come up uh, with various college-bound families that I um, support toward getting into college and doing it debt-free. And I really want to spend just a little time on that. Um, I, and I want to um, tell a couple of other people um about it. So I'm writing, I'm about to go live on my YouTube channel and tell you why you should not fall in love with one school. And then I'm going to put the link there so that everyone can can know where to go. Those of you who are in my parents community, you know who I am and you are probably either watching this live or you're going to watch it later. For you, I have typed up um, these points above the video that you can view. Um, and for the rest of you out there on YouTube, you're getting sort of a, a peek, a hint, a bird's eye view into one of the perks of being a part of the parent community, which is they can uh, schedule calls with me to talk about uh, anything that their college bound family uh, needs support with. And I come live into the community every week to share valuable tools and strategies. 
For those of you who don't know me, my name is Treasure Shields Redmond, and I am known as the debt-free degree expert. I help busy parents of college-bound teens secure top-tier education without massive debt. And I do that at gettheacceptanceletter.online. So tonight I want to talk about um, why you shouldn't fall in love with one school. I have recently uh, been doing a real push to help the parents of college-bound seniors who are feeling under the gun, who feel like um, it's, you know, eight less than eight weeks till graduation. And maybe they haven't even applied to schools yet. Maybe they've gotten into schools, but they're not sure how they're going to pay for them. And as I've been talking to um, these new uh, families that are uh, working with high school seniors, I've been seeing kind of a recurring theme. And I think it kind of goes along with um, when you unfortunately start later than is optimal. And that is getting it in your mind and your college bound teens mind that there is just one school that they should go to. And if they don't get into that school, you know, all hope is lost. Um, and, you know, for several reasons, some more obvious than others, that's not a good idea. So let's talk about those. And like I said, I'm not going to hold you long tonight. I thought I was going to be in here with wonderful light an hour ago, but, um, you know, technology has an urgency detector and it is what it is. So let me go back over here and see what I wrote down. I said, uh, first off, uh, why do families place all their hopes on one school? And I put uh, point A, they didn't visit enough schools. <laughs> That's a real problem right there. Look, that 11th grade year is a really optimal time to get in some great college visits. And you have spring break of the 11th of your child's 11th grade year. And then you have spring break of their senior year. Now, you should be visiting different types of schools between the 11th grade year and the 12th grade year. Here is what I recommend. In the 11th grade year, you can do those low stakes college visits. You can start off with something easy, like whatever the big state university is that's near your community. Regardless of if you guys are seriously considering going there or not, if you and your college-bound teen have never visited a college before, this is a good way to do it. The state university is usually accredited and has all the majors that your college-bound teen might be interested in. It's usually accessible. It's fairly close depending on where you live in the state. Uh, and it's usually affordable. Um, you know, in most cases, the state school for in-state residents is, is, is pretty affordable. Um, and what you can do is go on that college's website. They're going to make it very apparent 
how to schedule a visit to their school. Uh, schools cannot survive without students. So they're very interested in getting your student to their campus and wowing them and helping to solidify their choice to go to their school. So it will be very easy to find out how to visit our campus uh, on the front page of the school, somewhere on the front page, that will be very obvious. You're gonna make a visit during a time when school is in session. It's not good to go visit during breaks, weekends, and 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 in summers because you're not gonna get an authentic feeling of the energy, the flow of the campus, right? You're not gonna be able to get that opportunity to maybe sit in on a lecture or be there when uh, department chairs who would be integral uh, in creating you know, a plan for your college bound team to move into the career and into the workforce where they're gonna be present, right? So in the 11th grade year during spring break, you can do start off some low stakes visits to even schools that you may not even be uh, seriously considering. Um, I suggest that if you have a school you're really interested in, try to plan the visit so that you can visit other schools that are near it. Or try to plan your college visit where you go to the one that's furthest away, maybe like on a Wednesday and then coming back, you can spend the night somewhere Wednesday night and get up Thursday, go to the second school, spend the night somewhere Thursday night and get up Friday, go to the third school. And then you can use spend a night somewhere Friday and then Saturday, you can end up somewhere that's more vacation oriented, a theme park, a water park or just a staycation at a hotel, you know, plan it so that you guys kind of get the best bang for your buck with these visits. Also, I like to plan college visits, um, maybe like brunchish, like have, have breakfast, kind of plot out what it is we're looking for. If we've seen other colleges before this, talk about the things that we de- that are definite red flags for us. Go have the visit and then have a meal to unpack, like a dinner to unpack back at the hotel uh, to talk about. Would you want to sleep here? Uh, what do you what did you think of the department? Um, what did you think about when I asked them what the graduation rate r- was or the placement job placement rate? That sort of thing. Uh, this is this is uh, excellent things to be doing during the 11th grade year. So you won't be the person who um, uh, has only picked one school and hinge all of your hopes on one school. So that's point A. You really need to visit enough schools and you need to make it clear to your college bound team that we're not going to hinge all of our hopes on Harvard, Stanford, Duke, Princeton, uh, you know, our school, University of Michigan, University of Illinois, Cal State, whatever's, whatever that school is that, you know, holds some sort of uh, holy place in your family's mind or in the community's mind. There's more than one school where your child can land on fertile ground and do well. Point B, the school is the one the child decided on long ago. You know, sometimes we listen to our children um, and, uh, you know, I get it. They are autonomous humans. But if at seven years old, your child said, I want to go to Yale. And you said, I just it, it was like a spark of life 
in my heart. My child said they wanted to go to Yale. So we are Yale bound and there's just no other choice for us. Look, whatever your child said, that's uh, important to consider. And yes, put whatever that school is on your list of schools. But you got to have more than one. Another reason that some people only have one school that they're holding a special place of esteem is the school has a reputation in the family or community and getting in would mean a lot. You know, this often happens with, on one hand, uh, it's highly selective schools. You know, everybody in the family believes this child could go to Princeton. And, you know, maybe the child will get into Princeton. Uh, but let's have more than one school uh, that we're going to go for. And then on the other hand, sometimes the, the school is a is an alumni school in the family and everybody went to the University of Memphis and the University of Memphis. Everything's blue in the house and there's big M's and tigers and 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 you know what I'm saying? People went back when it was called Memphis State. And, you know, it's just a family legacy. I get it. But, you know, what if that child visits that school and, and it just doesn't jive with them? Maybe they're going to be the first one uh, to go to um, University of Tennessee. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I get that we have these rivals and colors and all of this thing. But the truth is you want your child to go somewhere where they're going to land on fertile ground, where their gifts and goals are going to be honored and they're going to finish. They're going to complete their degree. So then I wrote down, but here is why you should not hang, hinge everything on one school. Number one, if you don't get in, the devastation is a distraction. Look, in general, young people are resilient. But if we set them up to fail, then we're going to tamper with that resiliency. And then they're going to have to spend a lot of time in recovery mode because they didn't get into Spelman. Um, you know, we hinged all of our hopes and dreams on Spelman, uh, you know, which is a fairly competitive uh, single sex HBCU uh, that's had a lot of stellar alumni. Uh, and it is possible to not get accepted to Spelman. Everybody doesn't get in to Spelman. And when you have set it up to where this is the gold standard and nothing else shall prevail, when they don't get in, then we got to spend at least a month with your child dealing with that, you know, depression and devastation and kind of in stasis mode and unable to move on and execute on other things. And at this point in their high school career, we're talking about for seniors now, high school seniors, we don't need people who um, are, you know, being plunged into despair. Every month counts. So let's not do that. Number two, here's why you should not hinge everything on one school. If they do get in and you can't, if, can't afford it, there is pressure to take out massive student loan debt. Look, we love these kids. They, in general, the parents that I serve, they're, they're like me. You know, my son was not a perfect child. However, he did what I asked him to do. I asked him to go to the school, do his best, participate in extracurriculars. I asked him to keep his, his grades being above. He did it. 
I asked him to try his best on these high stakes tests. He did it. I asked him not to be up at the school jumping on people and disrespecting the teachers. And he did those things, too. So, yes, I believe that he deserves the best. Right. Um, so there's a temptation for all parents to, uh, you know, kind of get our buttocks on our shoulders and say, my child is going to have this school that has told us there's a $31,000 a year gap that we would be responsible for. My child is going to have it. How is my child not as good as, you know, these other children with certain last names or whose parents went into professions that allow them a lot more financial uh, uh, mobility. I am a counselor. I am a teacher. I serve people. I, I teach people and counsel people to go and make three times my salary. My children deserve to do better than I'm doing. You know, we tell ourselves a lot of things that on the surface are correct so that we can sign up for these parent plus loans and get our children to sign up for a bunch of loans too. At some level, a loan is an investment especially if the loan is equal to or less than the first year's salary. So if your child is going to take out 30K and they're going to get a job as an accountant and the starting salary is 50 or 55K, then go for it. The, the, the bill is going to be like a little car note for about 10 years, and then they will have that done. For some people, that doesn't make them flinch at all. They feel nothing. It's an investment. But I've seen parents do much more than and kids do much more than what is a reasonable loan investment. And if you, uh, you know, hinge all of your hopes and dreams on one school and then they give you the financial aid award letter and it's crazy. And they're telling you they want $52,000 a year from you and your 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 household income is 70k a year. So your household income is 70k a year combined. But you're going to go and sign up for all these loans and things. It's it's just not necessary. So do not hinge all of your hopes and prayers on one school. And the last point of why you should not hinge all of your hopes on one school is because there's no negotiation leverage. Right now, I have parents uh, that I'm supporting in my community who have schools that, that uh, they believe are the best fit for their college-bound team. But the school's financial aid award is not as good as their second or third choice school for their financial, for their team. So guess what they're able to do? They're able to take the financial aid award that is better from a school they're less interested in and show it to the school that they're most interested in and ask them to match it. Best case scenario, they match it. Second choice, they just go up on the award, uh, from, from their most choice school, but they don't match that one. And worst case scenario, they say, I'm not fooling with this. You can, you can walk out of here with that. So they're not going to lower their award. Um, you know, so there, there really is no way to quote unquote lose in that scenario. Have I seen people use that tactic and increase or get their award matched? Yes. Yes. I know them. I could call their names, but that would be a breach of privacy. It has happened. I have witnessed it. So if you if you hinge all of your hopes on one school, 
then you are um, getting rid of your negotiation leverage. Um, so those are the things that I wanted to share with you tonight. Uh, every week I come to people and share valuable tools and strategies to kind of help them get their kid into college and do it debt free. My name is Treasure Shields Redmond and I am the debt free degree expert. Look, I'm sending a special call out to uh, families that have college bound high school seniors. It's not too late. Let's uh, get on the ball and uh, really put me to work for your family. Um, you can go to my website, which is gettheacceptanceletter.online. I will type it in the chat here. And we can talk about how I can uh, support you toward getting into college and doing it debt-free. So I will see you all next time. I'm hoping that you are looking toward a fantastic um, start of your week and that your weekend has been fruitful and restful. And I will see you next time. Wait a minute. There we go.